0: about all that is in God's heart for his people and all that God's people are missing. And so Jesus in Luke 19, 42 said, would that you, even you, like you of all people, even you had known on this day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus had a longing, a deep longing for his people to know peace and at that moment, at that moment, they, they, didn't, they didn't know the things that made for peace. And, and when I look over human history, it seems like this cycle gets repeated, where even in our best moments where we think, wow, we we really got it this time. Like we fought the, a, a good fight and we've won a great victory and it's very significant. But then as you trace out that thread of history, it seems to spiral back again into well maybe we didn't know the things that that made for peace. I think of church history with with Martin Luther in in the in the great reformation in Germany where there was this clarity about the gospel and access to God and it's this beautiful moment in church history where he's you know, declaring these things of it's—it's it's only by faith and it's only by grace and it's only by you know through scripture and, and God's work, real clarity. But then, it's followed by this this war, this peasants' war, and 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 it's bloody and all of these people die. And, and we go a little bit a little bit further in human history. We sign the Declaration of Independence. A great move of of saying we we will pursue freedom. We will pursue uh, not not the tyranny of oppression, and and we'll have a, a different form of government. Well, what was governance? What was on the heels of the Declaration of Independence? The Revolutionary War, right? We keep going. Then there's the Emancipation Proclamation, which was bringing to the to to in law the end of slavery. Just a, a like this this gross. A blight on on uh, on humanity, and and there's this this signing of of this emancipation proclamation ending slavery. But what comes next? Well, we still have segregation. We still have the Jim Crow laws uh, that then eventually come into place. Right. So clearly, we didn't yet know the things that made for peace. But hopefully, you know, this year we celebrate a hundred years of. Uh, armistice day, which was the ceasefire for World War I, which was the war to end all wars. We got that one wrong, didn't we? Right? And so there's this declaration of peace, right? We, the, the peace agreement has been signed, and yet that ushered in uh, the bloodiest century in human history, right? They could have just saved their copy because then World War II came along. And then World War II comes along and, and we celebrate the end of, of World War II. But what did what did that usher in? It ushered in the Cold War. Right? And so then we have uh, then we have the, the civil rights movement, and there's a there's a there's a great victory in the civil rights movement of of of, of dealing with the issue and, and and the sin of segregation and, and dealing with the, the, the Jim Crow laws and, and so there's this great civil rights movement, but yet. We're still dealing with issues of racism today. Clearly, clearly we do not know the things that make for peace. That, that those things that make for peace are still hidden from our eyes. We, we haven't figured it out yet. But here's the worst part of it. It's not just the history of our country that demonstrates the inability to manage peace. What, what about us? Like let's look at our let's look at our own culture. Let's look at the the, the way in which we relate together. What what happened in Shalik last week? And, and and like what are what what about jealousy? What about sexual abuse? What about lying that happens to each other? What about um what about the the frustration that 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 you have to live in because of because of gossip? And and when I look at the way that we treat each other culturally, I think we. We do not know the things that make for peace. We don't, we don't get it. But let me go a little bit deeper. What about inside of us? What about your own desires? What about, what about your own affections? Like if you have you taken a deep dive into the world of your own desires lately and, and popped open the hood and seen how, Selfish you are sometimes. How how self focused. How you're willing to make a decision for short term gain that has devastation in the long run. That you that you be willing to put at risk things that are that are so valuable for some sort of feeling, some sort of short term gain. Or you think about lust, selfishness. These are all things that demonstrate that we even within ourselves, are not at peace. And so this morning, as we, as we approach Christmas Day, maybe this morning would be the time that we learn the things that make for peace, that we learn the pathway to peace and we understand the role of peace. And so the way we're gonna look at that is we're gonna look at peace um, through, the, through the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, and then we're gonna focus in on three particular stories uh, in in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke, that teach us, that will train us in the pathway to peace. All right, so as we think of the word peace and we look into the Old Testament, we need to know the word peace is the word shalom. That's best translated peace. So the Hebrew word shalom is peace, and it describes Peace, uh, not simply peace meaning the absence of war, but peace in a positive sense. Peace is is a time and a place and a condition of love and righteousness, of calmness, of political and moral uprightness. Let me give you some of of the ways that uh, shalom or peace is experienced in the Old Testament. Where it's a sense of completeness. When you think of peace, don't think of the absence of war, think of wholeness. Think of fractured things finally coming together, that's, that's peace. Think of safety, think of health, a lack of disease, physical wholeness, that's shalom, that's, that's peace. Being content, being satisfied, having your basic needs that they're met, and in relationship with others, there's, there's friendship, right? There's, there's peace, there's shalom. Where there's, there's blessing, there's shalom as we would act in kindness to one another. That's the, that's the Old Testament picture of wholeness. And it came to us in creation, right? When God created Genesis chapter one, gives us this picture, this image of, of life in peace. We were made whole, we were made complete. God created us with life. God created us with purpose, right? It's called creation's mandate. Fill the earth, subdue it. God gives us this great job description to walk around on planet Earth, to be in charge of it, to take care of it. And God created us to be in good relationship with the world around us. Right There was, there was harmony. There was unity with, 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 within yourself, with your physical body, with, 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 the, with the person next to you, with the, with the world around you. It was whole. It was complete. It was Shalom. And God created us to be in relationship with him, right? God created us to be in relationship with him. so in the cool of the day, he would walk with Adam and Eve and they would talk. And I would imagine they would go over, hey Adam, what did you accomplish today? Hey Eve, what did you do today? How did that go for you? What was that like? And there was this intimacy. And then as they would work, there would be this worship of God. So there was wholeness that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden. That's our created identity. We were made that way. Our garden identity had shalom, but then the lie came, sin came. Peace that was, that, that was generated through the security of relationship with God was then lost and everything was broken. Creation from top to bottom was distorted. Creation was broken, peace was lost. And the rest of the Old Testament and the rest of human history is man trying to put back together what's been broken, trying to restore a sense of purpose in what they do, right, in, in their job, in their work, to get a sense of, of wholeness and trying to, to fix fractured relationships, trying to stem off fractured health with disease, trying to get back into some way into relationship with God. That's human history. That's the rest of the story. If only, if only we knew the things that made for peace. But then there was one night. There was one night when the world was, was dark and hope was coming into the world. There was one night when when an angel was talking to some shepherds outside of Jerusalem about a baby that would be born a few miles away. They were talking about the one who would deliver, who would rescue, the one that who would restore, who would lead us into the path of peace. And so as they were talking, suddenly... There was with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This was the message that the angels had been longing for as they had been seeing human history unfold, right? And they knew they had the the, the starting quarterback, the the starting center, the, the MVP was on their team but was not in the game. And, and they were looking, saying, "God, we're losing. There, there's no peace on earth, God. And 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 Jesus is here. But at this moment, Jesus is stepping into human history. So all the angels come out to make a declaration. There's going to be glory to God because this is heavenly. What's happening right now, and on earth, guess what? Finally, shalom. Finally, peace. It's it's coming. They have been watching. They have been waiting." And so so they were anticipating the wholeness was to come. Peace was coming because Jesus just stepped onto the planet. So Luke picks up this theme as he writes his gospel. And, And we're no longer using the word shalom anymore. It's not in Hebrew. It's now in Greek. And the Greek word is arene. And so he picks up this word Peace. And actually, the whole New Testament starts to talk about peace. There's 27 books in the New Testament, 26 of them talk about peace. For some reason, 1 John decides he didn't want to talk about peace. But all the rest of them do. Matthew talks about it three times, Mark three times, John five times, Luke 14 times. Like this is a this is a passion point for Luke. Luke wants us to get just the tremendous impact of Jesus stepping into human history and bringing peace so that we would actually understand what the angels declared. We would understand what, what are the things that make for peace. So we're going to look at three stories and our three stories are going to train us in the pathway to peace. It's going to look at how is it that Jesus is bringing peace? Because now, 2,000 years later, after that declaration of peace, we read it in the story, but we don't see it around us. So, so we're missing something. We are still in need of being trained in the pathway to peace. So our first story comes at the, the dedication of the temple, or I'm sorry, the dedication of, of Jesus. This comes up at the end of, of Luke chapter two. So Jesus has been born. The time came for a dedication of Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, according to the law, they leave Bethlehem, uh, travel a couple miles north to Jerusalem, they go into the temple. And then we get introduced in, in Luke two, we get introduced to, uh, to, to a, a new character, Uh, in the story. And his name is Simeon. And so Simeon uh, is a man. We don't know a lot about him, but Luke makes sure we understand four things. He's righteous. He's devout. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. I love that phrase. He's waiting for the, to be consoled. Israel needs to be consoled. Why? Because there's no peace. Right, so he's waiting for, for Israel to be consoled, the consolation of Israel. And then the fourth thing we know about him is that the Spirit of God was on him. And so it had been revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen God's Messiah. He had seen the one who would lead the people in the pathway to peace. And so he came to the temple the same day that Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to the temple. I don't think that's coincidence. My guess is he went to the temple quite frequently. And so he happened to see, happened to see Mary and Joseph and saw the baby. And uh, so he sees them there. He takes Jesus in his arms and he blesses God, sees Jesus, blesses God. He prays God and he says this, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of Israel. Jesus leads Simeon to peace by enabling him to fulfill his God-given part of the story. I want to say that again. So Jesus leads Simeon to peace by enabling him to fulfill his God-given part of the story. See, Simeon had a job. His job was to wait. His job was to look. And Simeon was faithful. And after he saw Jesus, after he saw what would be the consolation of Israel, he said, my job's done. Like, I can depart in peace now. God, like my bucket list had one item on it and just been completed, I'm, I'm ready to go. Now that wasn't a statement of him despairing about life. That was a statement of, I finished my job. I have completed what the father has assigned to me. And so he says, I can now depart at peace. He wasn't at peace until he had accomplished what God had called him to do. And what God had called him to do was a participation in God's purposes for humanity of restoring humanity back to Himself. And Simeon's like, I, "I've done what you've called me to do, God." There is, and you know this, right? There is a sense of peace when you accomplish something, right? When you when you've worked hard, when you've done a good job, when you've when you've pressed in, and you know, after I, you know, I, the the former house that I had, when I would finish mowing the lawn, there was a certain spot I would stand to admire my lines. Right, I would always, I'd cross the street, find that spot and I'd check out my handiwork. There was a sense of satisfaction in that moment, little bit, little bit of peace. I was at, uh, last weekend, my, my daughter uh, was in the Nutcracker, uh, an excellent uh, ballet performance. And I remember on, the, on Sunday was their final show, and she has been, uh, over 10 years, been in this performance. And she's been training with these dancers, many of them, for more than 10 years. And so uh, several of them are in their senior year. This is their final year dancing in the Nutcracker. And I saw on their face, as the curtain was coming down, tears were coming down their face, right? Because they had worked so hard. They had pressed, they, they had been bruised, they had broken things and, and, and they had achieved, right? Something beautiful through all of this hard work. And there was a sense of reward in that. Like, oh, I'm, wow, I've, I've, I've pressed in, I've worked hard, I've completed the task. And there's a sense of fulfillment, a sense of peace, when you come to the other side of that journey, we get those little, I call them appetizers, right? We get those little tastes of divine truth in the way that we work and live, right? So so those little glimpses are simply pictures of what is the ultimate fulfillment that Simeon's talking about. Listen, friends, there will be a day when you will see him face to face yes. and you will have the opportunity to hear him say, well done. Amen. You have finished the race. You have kept the faith. You have accomplished the purposes for which you have been designed. Well done, child. That day, that encounter is still in your future. It's coming. It's coming and i'm not saying there's no peace until that day but i'm saying there's not complete peace until that day we'll we'll get our glimpses we'll we'll get our appetizers of peace because god has things for you to complete god has purposes for you to fulfill and as you listen to him as you step in and as different seasons of life go by those purposes will change and you will have the opportunity with each new chapter being written each new season that you're in you'll have the opportunity to say god what is it that you've called me to in in this season because i I want to be faithful to that. I want to be like Simeon in that moment. I want to look for you there. I want to wait for you. And I want to join in on what you're doing in this season during this chapter. So the way Jesus leads us to peace is he gives peace for those who are longing to fulfill their God-given purposes. Let me say that again. So Jesus is going to lead us to peace. And and those that experience peace are those that are longing to fulfill their God-given purpose. Next story. We're gonna learn that not only is peace for those that are longing to fulfill their God-given purpose, also there's peace for those who pursue Jesus to deal with their physical needs. So we have another story. This story comes out of Luke chapter eight. This is Luke chapter eight. Jesus was in a crowd and he was on his way to, uh, to deal with a little girl that was very sick. He had been asked to come to her, her bedside and so he's on, her, on his way uh, to take care of her. And on the way, we get introduced to somebody else who's in this crowd. And it's this woman uh, who is uh, unclean And she's socially unacceptable. She's been dealing with, it says, a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, her physical illness, obviously physical illness is isolating, but this particular issue of blood for her meant that she could not be among other people. Because in the the Jewish culture, that would make her unclean. And by her being in proximity to other people, she would then make others unclean as well. And since it was recurring for over 12 years, that probably meant she was unable to be with the fellowship of God's people in terms of worship at the temple because she would have been perpetually unclean. So think of the isolation that for 12 years this woman has had to deal with. And and you know this, that physical illness is it's isolating. Like people dealing with we don't people don't know the extent of pain that you're in, and and so you you journey with that, you deal with that on your own, and 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 and, and physical ailments and pain have a way of, of of creating distance from you and other people. And then the other detail that Luke gives us about this woman is she hasn't been passive. She's actually spent all of her money on physicians trying to get her well, right? So not only is she uh, physically isolated from people, but she also has got to be dealing with a degree of hopelessness. I've spent all of my resources and I haven't been able to fix the issue that I have. I think it's interesting that Luke doesn't give us a lot of details, but he gives us enough so that we get a pretty good picture of the pain that this woman walks in. He wants us to understand that there's no peace for her. That she's not walking in shalom. She's not walking in irene. She's not walking in peace. She is isolated. So in the middle of the crowd what she's thinking is I've got to get I've got to get to Jesus. And she comes to Jesus and she touches him. And when she touches Jesus, Jesus recognizes that power had left him, that someone had touched him. So he said, who, who who, touched me? Which for her to touch, right, would then be for her to make others unclean. So it was risky for her to do it. So now Jesus stops and says, who did this? Right, so now she's got to like, what she did in secret, now she's got to make public. And so she said, I, I did. And this is what Jesus said to her. And he said to her, daughter, hmm, your faith has made you well. Amen. Go in peace. Go in wholeness. Go in completeness. There is peace for those who pursue Jesus to deal with their physical needs. You might be thinking, yeah, but Greg, are you saying that Jesus will heal all my sickness and disease, yes, I am. And he will when he's ready. In in his time, he will. In this story, where was Jesus going? Jesus was on his way to deal with a sick little girl. Well, while he was On Paul's in that journey, the little girl died. Jesus was on his way to to bring healing and things got worse while Jesus was on his way. Did she recover? Yeah. Was she healed? Yes. Right? Jesus came, brought healing to her, brought life to her, but he did it when he was ready. So physical healing, it could be today. It could be like miraculous, God just steps in and done. That happens. It could be a long-term process. It could be a journey that involves uh, doctors and and different doctors. And you get on that medical merry-go-round for a little while and one doctor says it's this, another doctor says it's something else. But it could be that's the journey that God's going to bring about healing. The healing could come now. The healing could come later. The wholeness will be in your future. God provides healing. He he does it. The peace will come because you've brought your pain to the one, the only one, with the character and the capacity to lead you to wholeness. And it may not be this side of heaven that you experience the fullness of what Jesus has in store for you, but the healing will come in his time. And with that comes peace. Jesus will lead you to peace as you bring your physical needs to him. And can I just say this? Sometimes, Sometimes the physical need that you are aware of is a doorway by which God enters into deeper, more important, more significant spiritual needs. That apart from that physical need being present, you would never have addressed it. (laughs) Asher had this experience yesterday. Asher has this cat that, Asher's my eight-year-old. He loves this. This cat, they are the best of friends. But this cat wants to get out of our house. Every chance, like the door opens up, the cat is out. So uh, we had to hunt the cat down yesterday because the cat had run out. Uh, We live on a pretty busy street, so the cat is not gonna last long uh, outside. So um, Asher said, Dad, I I got Piper, but I kind of like I grabbed her from the back and and it hurt her a little bit. And I said, yeah, buddy, it did. And, And he said, I think, I think that sometimes in order for us to, or for her to be safe, I might have to hurt her a little bit. Whoa, that's pretty profound, right? Could it be that that's what the Father does with you? Like, in order for me to address the, the greater spiritual needs in your life, the things of eternal value, this is gonna hurt a little bit. Listen, healing will come peace is for those who pursue Jesus to deal with their physical needs and there are some of you some of us that lie awake anxious dreaming about what's wrong with us right we 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 have our minds spinning around our physical needs first of all let me say you need to get better dreams right i mean just thinking about all the bad things that can go wrong use that time, be a little bit more creative. We need some better better dreams. but I want to tell you those scenarios that you're imagining about your destruction, I know people that have walked in those scenarios and some of them God has brought physical healing to this side of heaven. Some God has not. but all of those ones I'm thinking of, They've experienced great peace. So, all that you imagine, right, you bring your physical needs to Jesus and he will lead you to peace. All right, our last story. So, not only is there peace for those who are longing to fulfill their God given purpose, not only is there peace for those who pursue Jesus to deal with their physical needs, there is peace for those who embrace Jesus to cleanse them from their sin. Right, so, uh, sorry, that's this one. Peace for those who embrace Jesus to cleanse them from their sin. This comes in Luke chapter seven. So Jesus was was having dinner. He was reclining at at table at a Pharisee's house. Uh, This Pharisee's name is Simon. And we find that out a little bit later in the story. And so the Pharisees, they're the religious leaders. They're the ones that are kind of at the top of the the social structure. And so Jesus has been invited and he's sitting down and and he's eating and the way that they would eat is they would recline at the table. So their upper body would be towards the table and their their legs, feet would be behind them as they would recline uh, at the table. And so this woman comes behind Jesus and she's weeping, she knows the treasure of Jesus and she's weeping and she's anointing his feet with oil. And the Pharisee that had invited Jesus is watching this happen. And, and he thinks to himself, well, if he were truly a prophet, he would, he would know the kind of woman that was touching him and, and he wouldn't allow her to do that. What the Pharisee didn't know was that it was for people in need of cleansing that Jesus came. Do you know the one detail that Luke gives us about this woman? Luke gives us one detail, you know what it is? I'm sorry, two details. She's from the city, she's a sinner. It's the only thing we know. So she's from that area, so she's known, and what's she known as? She's known as a sinner, right? So that's why this Pharisee is thinking, well, if Jesus knew, but what the Pharisee did not know it was for those that desired cleansing that Jesus came. And so to the smug Simon, Jesus gave him a sort of riddle. And he said, Simon, there's, there's two people that are in need of forgiveness, right? And one is forgiven a great deal, and one is forgiven very little. Which one of the two has a greater appreciation? So Simon and his wisdom says, well, the one that had the, the greater sin, the greater need for forgiveness would celebrate more. And Jesus said, that's what's happening here. He, the, the obvious answer is the one who's the recipient of the greater amount of forgiveness. The, Jesus is saying, Simon, she gets it. She knows the value of what I offer and the need that she has. And guess what, Simon, you know neither. You don't know the value of me nor do you know the need that you have. And so as he confronts Simon, he then turns to the woman, the sinner, wrapped in shame, dealing with guilt, you know, at the, the below the table. And he said to her, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in wholeness. Go in forgiven so jesus led her to peace by dealing with the greatest need that she had and what she needed was to be reconciled to god see jesus leads us to peace by dealing with our greatest need which is sin it brings us all the way back to our garden identity all the way back to what was broken when shalom was lost when peace was lost When the lie came, Jesus is reconciling her and us back to the Father. Jesus leads us to peace by dealing with our shame, dealing with our guilt, dealing with the darkness that separates us from union again with God. And that darkness is the result of sin, sin that has been committed by others, sin that has been committed by you and I. That's what separates us from the Father. Jesus deals with that offense. Jesus took that offense upon himself. That's what happened at the cross so that we could be made right with God. Jesus took it upon himself so that we could be whole again so we wouldn't live fractured anymore. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, you have been healed. You need to hear that again. This is Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment, the chastisement that brought us wholeness. That brought us shalom, that reconciled us back to God. With his wounds, we have been healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus leads us to a place of wholeness, a place of peace by dealing with our separation from God. And there are things in your life right now that bring you shame. There are things in your life that that, that bring you fear. And those things have, have risen up in your mind against the knowledge of God. And Jesus is offering to you peace. Amen. Jesus will lead you to peace. You might say, Greg, that's that sounds good for those that, that lack peace, but but you know, I, I'm I'm doing okay. I, I you know that doesn't that doesn't really fit fit my particular, my particular needs? Well, to you, I wanna say two things. Jesus came for the broken and marginalized in every aspect. So I've only highlighted three. I've highlighted like your life's purpose, right? I, I, I've highlighted uh, physical needs and I've highlighted relationship with God. They're big ones, but did you notice the three characters that experience the peace of Jesus in the book of Luke so far. It's an old man at the end of his days, right? It's it's a woman who is uh, marginalized in society because of physical illness. It's another woman, right, who's marginalized in society because of her own sin, right? So Jesus comes to those that are broken. And so whatever your particular aspect of brokenness is, Jesus comes to bring peace to that. So yours might be something that I haven't touched on today. Listen, Jesus is sufficient for all the fractured aspects of life. The second thing I wanna say to you, if you're saying, well, this doesn't really apply to me, guess what, it will. Maybe you're not in touch with your particular lack of wholeness right now, where you feel like you have peace, listen, that might be true today. It It won't be true tomorrow. Like the time is coming. You can't walk around on planet earth for very long without bumping into something that's broken, something that's fractured. So it's coming your way. So as we close, I wanna come back to that verse in Luke 19, 42. When Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem, looked at the place of his people, and said, Would would that you, would that you have known on this day the things that make for peace. And I've pointed you to the things that make for peace. And the thing that makes for peace, his name is Jesus. And he's a wonderful counselor. And he's a he's a mighty God. And he's an everlasting father. And he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Now I haven't talked about the fact that he's a prince. What does that mean that he's a prince of peace? It means that he is the administrator of that peace. He's the one that provides it. It comes from God through Jesus, the prince of peace. So my desire this morning was simply to point you to the pathway of peace, and his name is Jesus. There's peace for those that are longing to fulfill their God given purpose. There's peace for those who pursue Jesus to deal with their physical needs. And there's peace for those who embrace Jesus to cleanse them from their sin. There's peace for you. C.S. Lewis said this God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. You know why? Because it's not there, there there's no such thing. So if I'm going to offer you peace this morning, if the headlines are going to declare peace, do you know where it's going to point to? It's gonna to point to Jesus. And so this morning as we close, I wanna simply invite you to sing to the Prince of Peace. Sing to the author of peace. Sing to the one who is the administrator of the peace that he offers you. So would you stand and sing with us this morning?
1: things here. I'm going to ask the prayer people to come forward. Uh, Greg said something very significant, and I want to make sure that you catch it. He said, Jesus is sufficient for all the fractured aspects of your life. That's huge. So if there's an area of fracture in your life, I want to give you some time. You can come. You can receive prayer. Uh, We have a few extra minutes. You'll be able to do that. So I want to make sure that uh, you have that opportunity. So if there's some area of fracture, come receive prayer. We want to stand with you in that. We want to help you in that. So we'll let you know that that's an option. I want to um, also wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope to see you tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. We'll begin promptly, so you want to be early for that. Uh, There's some alpha signs that you can pick up and help us promote alpha. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to end our time with what's called a benediction. Uh, Just a formal charge to you as the church of Jesus to go and live after this service is over. It says, there is a world out there that is oversupplied with theories and technology, but drastically undersupplied with hope. Mm. I think we could insert peace there. But you, like Jesus, you are today's people. You are ones who know that the future is ripe with promise and hope. So the same Jesus that brings peace is coming again, and he's bringing glory, and he will judge the living and the dead. So until then, go and live out your hope graciously and courageously. Amen. And ask those of you who want to receive prayer to come. Everyone else, you guys, Merry Christmas. We'll see you back here tomorrow.